marriage. It's what brings us together today. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. I started saying that earlier today. Matt quoted the whole thing. You're going to get to the circle, right? And I know. I'm just good for the. That's from The Princess Bride. Anybody ever watch that movie? This side has. <laughs> I got two sides. All right. This is. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we've, we've uh, so far in this marriage series, we've heard from Tyler, who's a single dude. We've heard from Alex, who's been married 10 years with one kid. And today you're going to hear someone who. We have officially made it to adulthood in our marriage. We've been married for 21 years now, as of December. So I'm calling this sermon, Committing Adulting in Marriage. So hopefully that's not adultery, it's not what we're saying, we're saying adulting. And uh, so how many people are here are single? Single people. How many people married? Yeah, so I'm gonna try to hit. I'm gonna try to hit something on all three three aspects of everything. Uh, again, all, all I can do is tell you from my perspective, right? What is marriage about when you've been married for 21 years? And uh, I, I've got a lot of, of preamble things I want to talk about. And I've told a lot. I've told this story a lot, but I love it. And it's uh, I talk about it with kids because I remember when we had our first kid. It, may not want me to point her out. Uh, we had our first child, and, and we went to the, the hospital, and I remember being terrified, terrified, because how do you take care of this thing? Well, they go through the whole thing. It's really not that hard. It's really not hard to take care of a kid. They cry when things aren't right. There's one of several things that it could be, wet diaper, they're tired, they're hungry, they've got gas. It's one of those things is popping around. For the things that are outside your control, you go to a doctor. I was like, this isn't too bad. But at two weeks later, I, remember, I realized why everybody says it's so hard having kids. And the reason it's so hard is because it never stops. It just keeps coming. I'm sorry, did I knock you down? I'm sorry about that. But no, the, the kids, you can't just turn them off and put them on a shelf and just put it it into a pause mode and and marriage is basically the same thing you can't just take marriage and put it on a shot on, on a shelf it is something you have to work through constantly on a day-by-day -day basis okay uh, now now like I said we're, we're, we're now adulting we are now 21 and that's considered to be an adult in today's society however I did want to point out that you know now you can be on your parents insurance until you're 26 and I figure by the time I retire I will be able to put myself on my parents insurance and I'll be able to insure every kid up underneath me under that one point but never mind so yeah like I said that was this side's joke <laughs> um, but but there is no retiring from marriage is it it's not like we, we we get to a point and you're just like, okay, we can coast, we can retire from marriage. Marriage is forever. Kids, they have a finite, believe it or not, those, those of you who are on the middle of it right now, there is finiteness to it. It changes over time. And yes, it does get easier and harder at the same time. 
just, just check with me in about 10 years, you'll understand what I'm saying. Your exhaustion level goes down. Your frustration level goes to the roof. I love y'all both. But, but there's finiteness to it. Eventually, the child will move on, or if you have to take care of them forever, but it comes to a different point of the relationship. But a marriage is not something you just say, oh, we got to here and we're at a plateau and we can stop. We can stop. There's a, uh, I, I, I work for a, a company and they had a, a meeting a few weeks ago where we got to go hang out with a whole bunch of other managers and that sort of thing. And they had a, a, a motivational speaker come in and his, uh, his name was Corey something. I don't remember his last name. But anyway, he, he, he was a very young guy and he decided I am going to do something stupid that no one can do. In fact, a lot of people have died trying to do it, but I'm going to do it. And he decided he was going to walk across Antarctica by himself over a thousand miles, unaided by anyone, anything. Only thing he had was communication with his wife once a night, that kind of thing. But he, but he had to take his own food. There was no supplies. He had to take it off. So he was doing this with a sled. He pulled no dogs. He pulled this across Antarctica. And, and what was great was he came out and he said, after three hours of doing this, he got off the airplane and thought, oh, this is great. It's going to be exciting. Three hours into it, he had frozen snot all over his nose. His face was frozen, and he was almost in tears. And he, and he actually said, the reason that was all over my face was when you cry and it's minus 20 degrees, it freezes instantly. But he realized three hours into it, he's like, Maybe I shouldn't have done this. <laughs> and there, but there was no turning back. And that's the same thing. Once you make the marriage decision, a lot of, you, you really can't, you can't turn it back or the marriage is over, right? Right? So marriage breaks down to what I call three phases. Three phases. And the whole world focuses on the first phase, which is what? Courtship, honeymoon, the, just, oh, the wedding itself. The, we... Society focuses on that. Um, I like to call that the euphoric phase, okay? And there's also phase two, which I will call the growing up or me phase. Me phase. And that, believe it or not, can either last one year or 40. That can last an entire marriage. Uh, but then the, there's the last phase, which I like to call, is called learn to forgive and forget. And that is the, the, the mature part. That is the adulting in marriage, okay? Now, I, want, I have one more disclaimer about this. You will, if we extend this thing, you'll get to hear from Joel. And Joel has been in it longer than I have. So his perspective is going to be even better and more different than what I have to say. But this is me in the middle of it, two teenagers, and, uh, and living the dream every single day. All right, so the first phase, dating. Why do people date? Why does society think people date? That's, I'm, I'm kind of asking that, and you're like, should I answer? Should I? Anybody got any answers, anybody? Why do people date? Looking for a mate, right? And in the, uh, this is real popular several years ago in the Christian community. There was, I've kissed dating goodbye. There was this book that came out, and everybody got hot and heavy on it. But 
but the reality and they were and what they were trying to focus on was you shouldn't just be dating just to hang out with somebody the whole purpose behind dating is to find a mate to live with for the rest of your life that's that's the the, the I'm gonna use the word Christian in quotes but what does society say that dating is fun exactly what you go out and have fun with somebody and if you have enough compatibility of fun what are you going to be? Happy the rest of your life. Why? Because that's the way it's supposed to be, right? Is that exactly the way it is? I'm going to let y'all figure that out on your own, right? Um, one of uh, Olivia and I's guilty pleasures, she's going to be so mad I'm talking about this, uh, is uh, we watch some really crazy TV. We like to watch Hallmark. Hallmark. And if you ever saw the epitome of the happy side of society's idea of what marriage is, Hallmark is the epitome of that, right? So I basically, I, I figured you could actually make a, a mad lib. Y'all you know what mad libs are, right? You could do a mad lib and make a Hallmark plot if you really wanted to. So even though I didn't go to that far, I made one up as though I had done a mad lib. So... In a city or country setting, right, two people with awesome jobs that everybody wants to have are up for promotion because they have to be up for promotion when randomly they meet on the street and are rude to each other. You have to be rude to each other when you first meet. Only to find out later they both inherited a mansion that is in terrible shape about to fall apart but only requires one coat of paint to fix it. And if they both quit their jobs, they can make it work. So during the renovation phase, they will have a snowball fight, a paint fight, throw leaves or throw flour on each other in a bake-off that they have to win in order to uh, progress. And then at some point in time, they will fall in each other's arms, look into each other's eyes, and be, be inter interrupted by the, uh, the loud nephew that has separation anxieties from his stuffed animal monkey. A job offer will come up on one of them, and they won't discuss it with the other person until the cocktail party at the office where they announce all job uh, promotions, because that's one of the rules. If you're going to get a promotion, it has to be at a cocktail party for the office. The other person will get mad, leave with 15 minutes to spare, and as he tracks the person down at the, at the, at the train station, they'll take them to the bus that leaves them to the airport to take them to France to get on the cruise, they find out that the person has broken down on the side of the road, and they confess their unwavering love to each other, and they're happily ever after. That is, that is Hallmark in a nutshell. You don't have to watch another one because I've just given you every plot synopsis there was. And it's happily ever after, right? That's All we have to do is find the right person. Right? We, we, we have to find the right person. Find the right person. Um, all right, we'll throw this, the, the verse up on the screen. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Okay? When we go out and we have these type of notions that that's the way it's supposed to be because society's put it out there, where is it about love? What is, what is love? What is love? What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Anyway, what is love? Is it, a, is it about 
finding the right person for you or is it more about being the right person for someone else? I want to ask you that because that's the, that's the number one thing. When you're in the middle of this phase, what happens is you're euphoric, you're excited because I have found my person, right? Then you get married and then you have to share a bathroom. You have to share expenses. You have to share maybe a car. Then you have to work out, well, if you're going to be gone, when am I going to be here? Then it comes to be really, really, really crazy, correct? What happens at that point in time? I call this the selfish phase. The selfish phase. You are not doing what I need you to do for me. Therefore, you have a problem. And, that's, and I'm going to tell you right now, that is why we get married. And you're like, what? You know, no, except for Jeremy, who thinks this is awesome. But that is why we are getting married. Why, you're like, Tim, what are you talking about? That is not why. No. When you realize that the you in that question is not the, 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 the you, is the me. That is why you got get married. I, had a, I have a, a cousin, and I just found out her husband passed away um, <laughs> last week. She just didn't tell anybody. Um, but she and I had talked a long time ago before I got married, and she says, she had, she had been divorced, and then she got remarried, and they had a really, really beautiful marriage. And I asked her, uh, you know, what about marriage and that sort of thing from her perspective? And she said, marriage is the, one of the best mirrors in my life. It shows me my faults, my insecurities, where I am not leveling up. And said, I, you always want to blame the other person. But really, it's just a reflection on yourself, right? Like I said, this is the, uh, the selfish phase. So, even though I'm going kind of backwards here a little bit, another, uh, 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 another guilty pleasure I like to watch, and I'm probably the only dude in here that's going to say this, but I'm going to say it. Olivia and I will watch uh, The Bachelor. <laughs> and the reason I do is because it's nothing but a train wreck. I watch it just because it's absolutely the most ridiculous show on TV. Why? Because people have certain expectations that they're going to fall in love, that it's okay for someone else to be dating 40 people, but don't you think about someone else during that process. And they usually get to the end, and something has happened. People get hurt. People get angry with each other. And most of the relationships fail. And the reason I'm saying that in this kind of this phase is it's really focused about the me on that, but it's just hyper-focused on it, right? They focus on what that person can do for me, okay? Um, I have to tell on myself, during the dating and the euphoric and the, and the getting to the me stage, I, I, uh, I took Olivia out on our first Valentine's date. And I made a major, major mistake. 
what I did is I did it so awesome that I have never been able to live up to it since then. And basically I lied to her, making her think that I was going to do this for her for the rest of her life. And so uh, I ended up taking her flowers to her work. We went out to eat in, in, a, in, a, in some Italian restaurant that no longer exists in Greenville. I gave her multiple pieces of jewelry. We went and watched a movie. And it was just us. Oh, and perfume, excuse me. She even remembers it all. And, and it's never been that good since. And during this phase of, 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 of the selfishness, we start to realize those things that we had kind of promised each other might have been facades that we put on to make the other one think that we are the most awesome thing possible. It's good when you can get past that. Half the time you don't even realize you have done it until 10 or 15 years later when you look back and say, oh yeah, that really wasn't me, but I, I guess I was just, I was doing the best I could. I want to attract this person to me. Well, like I said, I just haven't lived up to that very well. Now, I've done some good things, <coughs> I think. But the, but the thing that, that, uh, that, that means more to me than anything is that Olivia's with me even though <laughs> that happened, which is phase three, was forgiveness. Um, uh, Olivia gave, uh, I mean, uh, my grandmother sat Olivia down when they first got married and gave her some advice. And I thought it was pretty funny. She said, and she, she was kind of, starting with senility, and, and, but she was coherent that day, and she told Olivia, said, listen, he is going to tell you he is going to do so many things, and he's not going to do half of what he's saying. And the second thing is, if he really acts up, just grab a spoon and hit him in the middle of the head. And I, and I found out that that was actually a true story. She my grandmother didn't like something my grandfather had said a week into their marriage, and uh, he had a scar on top of his head to prove it. <laughs> so, Olivia has not hit me with a spoon. I will. She never has. She's threatened, but she has not. Do I have to get the spoon? No, ma'am. No, you don't. Uh, but I'll have to say even more so when, when she said that he won't do half of what he says, I don't know if I've done... 5% of what I said I'll do because I come up with, with all these great grandiose ideas that I never accomplished and when we first got married Olivia thought I was telling her the truth because I really believed I was telling the truth I just didn't realize that I had limitations that are not there and that's part of marriage too as you get older and you realize you can't do all the dreams and everything else that you <laughs> had grandiose ideas at some point in time and, and you're not able to fulfill all of them. <sighs> well, when we first uh, got married, within a month or two, we had decided that Olivia needed to quit her job in order to finish out her degree because she had been working on it for years. And if she had kept doing the pace that she was at, it would have been three more years for her to finish it. So we said, well, what, you don't want to just take the time just to focus on getting your degree? And she says, I just want to get this out of the way. I've been putting all this effort into it. I just want to finish it. I said, okay. So she quit her job 
and took 45 hours worth of <laughs> classes in one year to get that done. We started building a house from scratch and because Olivia wasn't making as much money, I thought, well, I gotta make some more money, so what did I do? I got another evening job and was building a house. And this is very important and we'll get to it in a minute. Um, that was too much to do at one time, but when you're that young, you don't, sometimes you don't know your limitations. What? She said, don't know your limitations. I found out later, y'all heard of the, uh, the five love languages, I mean the five love languages, right? The five, uh, how do you, what is your love language? Words of affirmation, quality time, physical touch, acts of service, receiving gifts, right? I'm going to come back to that in just a second. Uh, I was spending all of my time either working, driving to the property, which was 30 minutes away from where we work, where we lived, working on it two to three hours a night, coming back home all weekend, all, all Saturday, most Sundays in the afternoon. Olivia was not spending much time with me. She was doing homework. If, if we did have time together, it was, it was homework time. And then I decided I'm going to go teach some classes on top of it in the evening. So we were gone all the time. One night, Olivia came into the... Into, <laughs> I was taking a bath of all things. I was hot, I was tired, I couldn't even stand up, that's why I was taking a bath. My legs were probably cramping. Olivia came into the room and said, when we get this furniture for the house, and I just said, furniture, what furniture? You know, we gotta have furniture for the house. I'm like, honey, we have no more money left and we're trying to get this thing finished. And you're talking about furniture? And she said, we put all this into the house, and there can't be any furniture in it. So we had this little, what I like to call, discussion. In fact, that from now on, when y'all just have discussions. There are no more arguments, okay? They're just discussions. We had a little discussion about that, and I had what I will call a not-adulting moment in my marriage when I decided to slap all the water out of the tub <laughs> onto the floor. So I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, yeah, hey, it was very close to that. It was more like this. It was like I just splashed all the water out. Olivia could not believe that she had married a man-child at that point in time. Um, I was upset. She was upset, and there was, and there was a reason for it. Olivia's two love languages are quality time and physical touch. How can you get quality time and physical touch if you're not there? And guess what my love language is? Words of affirmation. She was basically, I took it as you're not doing a good job because you didn't think about furniture. And I'm just trying to get the house done. So we were at a point where it was me. I was very angry at her. She was very angry at me at that moment. Now, we got over it. But that is that phase two. It's about me. All I cared about was I was working hard to put this. I was sacrificing for you. And reality was I was following through on a very stupid choice to build a house by myself and never have done it before. And I had a wife that was willing to come along with me. 
Do you, do you see the difference in thinking on that? Yes, I was working, true, I was working hard. But it was it for the best of my family at that point in time. Lydia and I talk about this all the time. If we had to do it over, even though we learned so much through that process, I would trade that time for a little tiny house we could have just painted and been, been happy with in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat. That's, that's for anybody that decides they just want to go build a house. <clears throat> but be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourself. At that point in time, was I honoring my wife above myself? When I was, when I was throwing water out of the tub, was I thinking about anybody but myself? I think I was thinking about myself. Which brings us to phase three. And I'm going to tell you, I don't think of faith, I say these phases like you get to these plateaus and you're there. Don't look at it like this. You can fall into phase two and phase three at any point in time. Phase three is what I'm going to call forgiveness and communication. Forgiveness and communication. Someone once said, which was uh, Billy Graham's wife, she said this, marriage is made up of two good forgivers okay why is there when you're first thinking about the person that you're going to marry and stuff you, you think in your mind I'm never going to get tired of this person I'm always going to be happy with, these, with this person and I've got a question for you are you always happy with yourself always like yourself then how are you going to do that for somebody else when you can't even do it for yourself because that's not what love is love is not the feelings the feelings follow Tyler went over what love is love is defined in the Bible very specifically in uh, 1 Corinthians 13 it's an action word it is not a I feel like this every day. The feeling comes afterwards. You can foster the feelings because they follow the action, believe it or not. When you focus on the other person, the love will be there. The feeling of love. But the action itself is what you're commanded to do, not feeling. God doesn't get up and say, you must feel this way about your spouse every day. That's insane. I wish you would say that. You should feel this about yourself. Then you'd be like, wait a minute, I can't do that. One of Olivia and I's favorite saying is, <laughs> when we're in discussions, say, I love you, but right this second, I do not like you very much. And guess what? I think that's an okay thing to say. Because you have just handled the problem. I don't like what's happening but I love you and I will follow through even though this is painful for me at this moment in time I will put you above myself and not destroy you by punching you in the nose that's what Olivia might have to do that a couple times she's never punched me in the nose although I could see in her eyes <laughs> by this point in time in your marriage too something else arises been with that person long enough that you know how to push their buttons and there are times when you're irritated 
and you decide, I feel like a fight. So I'm going to push these buttons. Let's see what happens. And it's usually when you're tired and you should be going to sleep. And, you know, the Bible says, don't let, uh, let, your, let the uh, sun set on your anger. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you need to stop before, before you're even talking about the anger and just say, don't push buttons. But if I, if I can get to Joel's level, maybe I can figure out how not to push the buttons at times because Olivia will tell you that we, uh, we both know how to do it. It's, it's, a, it's a skill. You have to work on it over time. Um, I can tell you this, Olivia's qual- her love language is quality time and physical touch. And something, I know we were talking about watching TV. Olivia and I do watch a lot of TV together, and a lot of people say, well, that's kind of mindless junk. And it is, it's mindless junk that we watch on TV. But 90% of the time when we're watching TV, if I'm not watching YouTube, as well as watching TV, which is another bad problem, a habit. But if, if I'm not, I am literally rubbing Olivia's back right on the right-hand side of her shoulder blade because that's where she's so, sore, and I will do it hours on end. And it does it, it to me. I'm, she's like, you don't have to rub my back, but you don't understand. I'm happy when I'm rubbing your back because I realize she needs quality time. I'm sitting there with her and there's nobody else rubbing her back and I'm giving her her physical touch that she needs to know that I'm there. Okay? And you know what Olivia turns around and says? I love you so much. The words of affirmation I need. And then sometimes Olivia says, I love you. I just love you. Right? Those Those little things are what are necessary to keep a marriage going, in my opinion. Um, I got the, you got the other, uh, the other uh, Bible verse, get ready for it, not yet. Oh, you put it up there. That's, that's close enough. We'll, we'll stay there. All right, so, so Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Before I get there, I like, to, I, like I already told you about my grandmother. I'm going to talk about my Papa Beanball. Uh, Papa Beanball, you gotta say it like that. Papa Beanball. Yep. He uh, he was a uh, interesting fella, and uh, back in the '60s, he uh, he bought some land and he built some shops and he had his business out there. And in order to have it out there, they had to have a pond because there was no water available for the fire trucks, so they had to build a pond. And of course, he didn't just build a pond; he built a five-acre lake. And he had to stock it with fish because why would you have a pond without fish in it? And then he realized, I don't just need this pond, I need another pond. So he went up on the hill and he took his bulldozer, which he sold to Cousin Bubba at one point in time. That's when I realized I might be a redneck. Um, Cousin Bubba now has the, the, the bulldozer. But anyway, he built a pond and he filled it with fish, and then he says, mm, what I need is another pond. So he built another pond. So he ended up with three ponds. Now these other ponds were more like what you would think of a pond. They're, they weren't that big. Uh, but what he did was he put fish and he would go get stock, put it in the small pond, and he would grow those fish really big. And then he'd hand catch all those fish. The big fish went to another pond, and they started having babies in that pond, and then he would catch those fish, and he put them into the bigger pond. So by the time he was done, 
he didn't have little babies getting eaten by large fish. He had big fish that could reproduce, and they could reproduce in such numbers that they could overwhelm the, the bass and the, and the catfish. And so with that, I would go out, and at, at five years old, I thought fishing meant taking a rod, taking a bucket of feed, throwing it out into the pond, putting your hook in, and then pulling the fish out. That was the way I expected fishing to work because that's how his, that's how his ponds work. And when that didn't work, the pond was broken because I had to wait almost 30 seconds for this to hit on my end of my, what is wrong with your pond? Now, why did I say all that? There were three ponds. He realized one pond, eh, you, you would go back to normal fishing. But when he had the two extra ponds that fed off of each other, every single pond was extremely important, but they worked together as a single unit. Does that make sense? Okay, makes sense in a minute. So Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor, right? If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they are kept warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And then it throws this strange verse out there. I think this is the most, the strangest thing. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Why, why is it... Go from two people to three all of a sudden at the end. And it's the thing. Oh, wait. He knows. It's three, not two. And this has been a sermon where I've maybe thrown out a couple of verses, but I hadn't said much about while we're here, which is God and Jesus, the Sunday school answer. But that is, that is really the answer for that third one. A marriage will never get past phase two if God is not the head of both of those people in that, in that marriage. And if you are married and you've got God and the other person doesn't, I don't know what to tell you because I've not lived that life. But I don't think it's going to be as strong. Because really it's still just two. It's you and God. Because the other person is still going to be focused on the selfish things. We do not know as human beings how to let go of our selfish, selfish inklings without God in our lives. And so a marriage without God, let's put it like that. A marriage without God is quickly broken. A marriage with God Three strands is not quickly broken. Without God, like I've said before, we wonder why the other person isn't living up to our expectations. And we can logically go through that and say, shouldn't the other person be saying that about yourself? The problem is you can't look at yourself in a lens and be non-objective. You always are going to be subjective to, the, to, to how you perceive yourself. You are always right in your own eyes. I don't care who you are, what you've done, you are always right in your own eyes. And that's why having the marriage with God in there 
opens up the microscope for you to have self-examination and say, am I, am I who I need to be? And like I said, I don't want you to think that there's some plateau in your marriage where you're going to get to this enlightened level and say, whoo, we are here. Back to my analogy of the children, it is like drinking from a fire hose because it's constant. You have to constantly work on it. If you want a marriage to die, all you have to do is stop working on it. Stop trying for yourself. The words that I've said today, <laughs> I've, <coughs> I've heard other preachers say this, and Olivia and I point to this. They'll say something, and I'm like, man, thank God my wife was in here to hear that. <sighs> yep. Did you hear that, Olivia? You need to hear that. Reality is, they were saying that for you. Don't worry about the speck in someone else's eye when you've got a log hanging out of it. Now, that was very well paraphrased, but that is, that is the truth. We need to have self-examination, and you need to take the marriage as the microscope to look at your self-examination. And when you come into it with that, knowing that God is the focus, Jesus has taught us that we should forgive one another, and you communicate that with each other, then, the ch then you have a chance to make it in the marriage. You can start adulting in your marriage, too. You don't have to be 21 in your marriage to be adulting. You can do that after three years. I've known, uh, believe it or not, I have a, have a, have a friend, which will remain nameless. Uh, but they got married, and within six weeks, they were pretty sure that they were going to get a divorce. And now I would say they're one of the strongest couples in marriage that we know. Why? Because they took the focus off. They were both focused on themselves. They knew God had put this other person in their life. They knew that. But they both asked, why is this person not doing this for me? And then one day, after probably a year of counseling with various people, they realized, why am I not doing this for them? And the them, in this case, is a singular, but you understand what I'm saying. So, with that being said, do you have that third chord in your marriage? If you're a single person, let's go back to these, let's go back to these verses and let's say you're not married. Let's read this as though God is with you right now. Let's don't talk about another human being but, a, but God. Two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. Do you think working with God will be more productive if your goal is to be working for God? That's kind of a circular question. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. Is God going to fall down? No. So is he going to be able to pick you up? Yep. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Pity the person that doesn't know God in their heart, that doesn't know the love that Jesus has given us. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? God will protect and keep you. 
Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. There are many times in the Bible when it was just one against the world. Case in point comes right to mind is, is David and Goliath. Was David alone out there? Did David kill Goliath with a slingshot? I'd say no. You go try that on your own and see how good that works. That was a divine intervention. That was God and David. David alignment had alignment with God. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Well, if your one strand is the universe, how can you be broken? If you don't have God today, if you don't know the pathway to God, if you don't know that Jesus Christ was the one that God sent here to be the ultimate forgiver for your sins, Jesus is the one that showed us true love. Even though I have committed sins, Jesus wiped them clean. Couldn't Jesus just as easily say to me, why have you not done this for me and withheld his love to me? But instead, what does he do? He gives it freely. Freely to anyone who asks. If you don't know who Jesus is today, let's all stand. Let's all pray. If you don't know who Jesus is today and you want him in your heart or want to find out more about him, I'm going to ask, we're going to pray in a second. You can ask Jesus into your heart. And he can be your cord of three. Actually, a cord of four. Be God, the Father, God, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Bless you. So everybody close their eyes. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I am a sinner. I know your son came here for me. And he died for my sins. So that I may know your father. Lord, just take these sins away from me. And help me walk in your path the best way I know how. In Jesus' name, amen. If any one of you has said that for the first time, raise your hand. And if anybody at home has said that, please reach out to us, various email addresses and the app and everything else that you can see on the screen. Someone here would love to talk to you about that. Right now we're going to have another, another song. We'll go from there. Christ is my firm foundation 
The rock on which I stand When everything around me is shaking I've never been more glad That I put my faith in Jesus He's never let me down He's faithful through generations So why would he fail now? He won't He won't So God, joy in chaos I've got peace that makes no sense
Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, now it's time for second message for lunch. I'm just kidding. Wasn't it awesome? Tim did an awesome job today, right? Okay, we can thank that. You know why he did? Because he let Jesus speak through him. And in everything I can tell you, how grateful can we be that Jesus is the one that holds us together? Because when I try to hold myself together, it all falls apart. But in him, he won't fail. And so today, that's what we celebrate. That's what we get to carry out in the world. That's what our marriages point to. That's how we raise our kids. And I'm thankful for a church that believes that. So I hope you have an awesome week. You make plans to join us next week as we continue in For Better or Worse. We've got a seat for you. We've got uh, pre-diabetes for you and breakfast. Uh, We're going to pray for it to be good. We've got a place for kids. We're going to have a great time. Make plans to be here. Have an awesome week. And always remember the best is still yet to come.